You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved of the Lord, if you heard these parables today from the mouth of Jesus, and everything seems right and makes sense to you and ordinary, then you're probably missing something. If, however, you are confused and thinking that something is not quite right, then you are on track. The math is all wrong. It doesn't quite add up. And we see this in the rejoicing. It's disproportionate to what is found. A shepherd had 100 sheep, which represents completion, the full company of heaven men and angels, and he loses one. He goes after it, brings it back, not by whipping it home with a cane or scolding it, but by shouldering it, and joyfully so. Then when he gets back, he throws a party for the dumb animal that nibbled itself lost. He calls all his friends and neighbors. He puts up an open invite on his Facebook page, He puts blog posts up and sends out invitations, puts a blurb in the local newspaper, inviting everyone, telling them how happy he is to have his one sheep back. And the universal reaction would be what? This guy is weird. Sure, I I mean, it's great that he found his sheep, but it's not worth all this. If he had found his lost child or his son were coming home from fighting in Iraq or wherever, then we would get it. Then we would have a parade and call the local news and rejoice. But for one sheep out of a hundred, the same goes for the woman and her coin. Again, she has ten, symbolizing the completeness of the company of heaven all the holy angels and elect of men. But she loses one, which again represents fallen humanity. She looks for it. But that makes sense. If you lose money, you look for it. But then she lights a lamp and starts burning oil, which was not cheap back then, until she can find it. This would sort of be like driving around town looking for a lost $5 bill. Pretty quick, the gas you're expending is worth more than the $5 you lost. At some point, the effort costs more than the coin. But she keeps looking. It can't wait until morning. She has to have all ten. It's as if she were OCD about it. She turns the house upside down until she finds it, and then when she has found it, She calls the news, posts on Facebook, texts all her friends, throws a party, which may cost more than the coin is even worth. Will her friends rejoice with her and share her joy, or will they think she is nuts? And finally, what we didn't read this morning, but which goes right after these two parables, the parable of the prodigal son, you know so well, From one out of a hundred sheep to one out of ten coins, 
Now Jesus gives us a parable of one out of two sons. This punk kid had the nerve to tell his old man to drop dead and give me my inheritance. According to the law of Moses, he should have been stoned for that. According to that law, mom and dad were supposed to take the brat out before the city gate, before the elders, and say, and I quote, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Deuteronomy chapter 21. And I might just note here, since it's Father's Day, how seriously and earnestly God wants us to honor Father and Mother in the fourth commandment. But instead of that happening, the prodigal son is not stoned, but his father ends up throwing him a party, having barbecued the most expensive cow on the ranch. And the question at the end is, will the older brother, indignant because he knows his younger brother shouldn't be worth all that, who knows that the math on this just doesn't work, will he lay aside the math and his pride and share in his father's joy? Jesus receives sinners and eats with them. That is nuts. Now, don't misunderstand. This does not mean that Jesus comes to affirm and confirm sinners in their sins. That is a false Christ that needs to be booted out of the church for the satanic lie that it is. Whoever preaches a Jesus who loves sins is Antichrist, for it robs Christ of his glory on the cross, wherein he took away sins, because God cannot bear them. In fact, the whole point of this gospel is that Jesus doesn't want to leave the Pharisees and the scribes stuck in their sins and pride and unrepentance. He is calling them to repentance because he loves them. Because notorious sinners were hearing Jesus and repenting of their sins and gathering around him, but the Pharisees weren't. What this gospel means is that Jesus came to take up our sins, to call us to repentance, to absolve us and say, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Yes, Jesus claims to have that divine authority to forgive sins. And this is the very activity that will get Jesus killed by the very Pharisees to whom he gives these parables in love. But on top of it all, when you add up all the mad, the math, Jesus rejoices to do this. And that's the punchline. 
That's the take-home today. Though it actually costs God the Father more than you are worth to redeem you, though it costs him the life and blood of his only perfect, holy, righteous son, he pays that price and he is joyful and happy to do it because he loves you. For Jesus Christ is that good shepherd who went out rejoicing from Mary's womb on Christmas to carry the lost sheep home on his cross-carrying shoulders. He is that light of the world that the Father must expend to find the lost coin and restore it to the nine. Jesus Christ is the fatted calf of the Father who must be sacrificed so that there can again be reconciliation and communion between wayward children and their heavenly Father. And make no mistake about it, Jesus, the eternal Son of God, is worth more than you and me, sinners, though we are. But not to the Father who loves you. In the kingdom of heaven, the math just doesn't add up. God's grace counts you more worthy than you are. He treats the sheep and the coin and the rebellious teenager as if they were sons returning home in honor. But the angels don't grumble. They are not jealous, though they never sinned. They share in God's joy. For God actually rejoices to sacrifice his son for sinners who kill, reject, curse, ignore, and abuse him, who are stingy and apathetic toward his love. Jesus died for the lazy guy you despise, who shows up late and leaves early, who calls in sick when he isn't, who takes welfare checks when you know he could work, who never mows his lawn or disciplines his kids. And Christ rejoices to do it when he repents and throws a party in this sinner's honor. Christ is, as it says, the one who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We tend to think, well, you know, of course God loves me. Of course he goes after me if I'm the lost sheep or the coin or the son. I mean, how could he not? Of course I'm worth it. I'm so wonderful. But the thing is, you're not. None of us is. None of us, in our sins and filth and rebellion of God, should be the cause of so much joy to the Father and all the holy angels. A medieval theologian used to say so well that the tears of sinners is the wine of the angels. They rejoice when one sinner repents. Yes, rebellious children deserve the death demanded in the law. Fallen humanity just isn't that great. But because, dare I say it, God is weird and OCD about having all 100 sheep, all 10 coins, 
all two sons, the rebellious and the indignant, or better, because God is gracious and merciful, you are worth it to him. He expends unreasonable cost, his only begotten son, and he rejoices about it. Will we, therefore, share in his joy and rejoice with the angels in heaven over the gracious love of God, or will we grumble about the math, how life is unfair, and murmur against the extravagant cost of God who redeems people who aren't worth it and who irritate us? The angels in heaven rejoice. Will you? And what exactly is that joy of the Father which you may share? It's not merely that you are valuable to him, though you are, and that he loves you and wants you back. It's that he is not even angry with you for getting lost in the first place, no matter how many times you have done so before. He does not hold a grudge. He does not think you will probably do it again. He does not care about the mathematical odds. He counts you as perfectly holy and innocent for Christ's sake. He is glad to give away his kingdom for free, to hold a feast, to be with you, no matter what the math says. The kingdom of his grace does not add up. It's not math. And for that reason, rejoice. For in the kingdom of the blessed Trinity, the math doesn't add up. One can be three, and three can be one. Bread is body, and wine becomes blood. And for all I've said about the math and things not adding up, do not fear that God is capricious or that he is only pretending or making things up. In the death of Jesus on the cross, God truly and eternally balanced out the equation. Jesus became the sinner, and you became the righteous son. God truly set you free from your sins. This is no accounting trick or sleight of hand. This is the word of the Lord. So come, rejoice with your Father today and all his holy angels, for you he has found who were lost and for whom he has paid the blood price of his Son without counting the cost. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.